and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Emily Fraser-Voigt, acting editor of DerivSource.com. There's a great deal of hype about fintech and regtech, but Michael Cooper, CTO of BT Radiant Services, looks behind the headlines at the innovations that are making a difference to the post-trade space. In this podcast, he not only looks at the potential of blockchain, but also how existing solutions in data management and cloud-based services are evolving. Here is DriftSource reporter Lynn Stronging-Dodds. Hello, Michael. Thank you very much for taking part in the podcast today. As you know, we're talking about technology. And my first question is, there's a lot of talk about reg tech and fintech. What do you think are the main differences? Thanks, Lynn. And um, thanks for having me. Very, very pleased to be here. Um, reg tech and fintech and the, and the whole um, XXX tech definition, um, lots of definitions for, for these things. I, I think we think of fintech as a superset under which there are specific orientations to, to some developments. So reg tech then is a, an example of fintech being in a, in a regulatory context around um, compliance, monitoring, reporting, etc. So that type of that type of flavour. And, and I guess when we think about fintech, and, and particularly given that you know we've we've got a you know a, a long history of technology application in financial services and financial markets, then we're we're really thinking about something which is. Probably, well, it's characterized by a technology, potentially innovative of its own right, but a technology being applied in an innovative manner to some use case or business problem in a financial services and financial markets context. And I think RegTech is a specific instance, certainly technology in terms of monitoring markets in terms of reporting has been around for some time. So we're really talking here about things that are enabling new ways of working, more accurate working, enable you to comply with regulatory obligations in a a manner of this time. It's probably a very long definition, but it's... (laughs) Well, as you well know, there are so many initiatives being slotted under the FinTech banner. Which do you think, you know, are truly, which of the ones do you think are truly disruptive and innovative? Yes. And so you're absolutely right. There, there, there is, it is an awful lot under the FinTech banner. And, and I think actually that's, that's interesting of itself. Um, and, and I think that there's a, there's a lot of interesting reasons why that might be and why that might be now. I think, um, I mean, the first obvious point is that, is that FinTech uh, covers uh, a very, a very, you know, long, uh, wide landscape, um, and that includes everything from, uh, you know, personal finance, B two C, as it were, through B two B, different aspects of the financial services domain, so retail banking, insurance, uh, reinsurance, but certainly also into capital markets. So, almost by definition you have a very large number 
of areas that we're, in which some form of fintech can be applied. So it is very broad. Uh, and I think the other thing we would characterize this is, is that you know, I, I do think of this as, as a series of waves, the sort of fintech 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 and the manner in which people's expectation of fintech and the way that it's being applied, I think, has changed uh, as well. So the the truly disruptive is an interesting characterization. And, and, I, and I think, um, sorry, I just spent a little bit more time on that, actually. And I, and I, I think I think it was Mark Carney in one of his speeches on, on the subject who classified fintech as potentially being three things, one, one of which was um, effectively your, your disruption, which is the revolution type state. Another one which was around restoration, which is kind of where I kind of put a fintech 2.0 slant on things, is where, where you've, you've kind of moved away from the idea that there is a revolution and actually you've got current incumbents using fintech innovation to restore their fortunes, you know, meeting the demands of clients now, as an example. Um, but his third one was, was a renaissance, which, which I think is fintech being a means to augment, extend, make better, improve uh, what we're doing today in financial services and, and financial markets. And I think ultimately, this is actually the, the real possibility of fintech, is that it it enables extensions. So where, so where is it you know, most disruptive and innovative? And very clearly, it has been, and there's been quite a lot of emphasis on, on the you know, sort of personal retail type services space. Payments is another area where, where there's been some, you know, some incredible disruption. Certainly, what you can do in terms of, of access and insight into your bank account the ability to make payments, financial inclusion, which is a very definitely a positive output from a fintech uh, world. But ultimately, I guess probably where, where partly where you're going with this question is, is that you can also see uh, and conceive of fintech initiatives or innovations that of themselves offer something new, uh, so a new way of doing something or, or a more accurate way of doing something. And ultimately, as a consequence, probably affect uh, market structure or, or financial services in a, in a more fundamental structural way. And that, I think, would be hopefully disruptive in a positive manner. Thank you. In general, across technology, the industry is collaborating more than it had in the past on developing solutions. What do you see, again, as the drivers behind this, and what would you say are some of the best examples? So industry, I mean, industry collaboration, actually, I think it's something that has been a constant for some time, particularly in the, in the, in the technology space or the application of technology. And I think, you know, you can look at, you know, DTCC, Turquoise, Euroclear, all sorts of, you know, entities that were created, I mean, the fixed protocol, uh, FISD, there's a, there's a significant amount of collaboration um, in financial services, financial markets anyway. Um, so I, I, I don't see that as, as something that's new. What, what, I, what, I, what I think you can see is this perhaps 
more impetus or more drivers towards collaboration and 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 the generation or, or um, creation of utilities. And and I, and I think some of those drivers, once again, are kind of maturity thing. You know, there, there's there's no commercial advantage in in each and every one defining, building, and developing a. a you know, a unique solution. So, so there's a recognition that, that I'm not going to get any commercial advantage from this. Therefore, why would I not collaborate? And, and part of that is that whereas you, you may have built something, you know, done it, done it yourself, uh, as it were, previously, you know, the, the, the kind of development agenda which, which certainly most market participants have got, and, and indeed I think, you know, outside of markets and financial services generally, the development agenda is such that you're you're choosing what you what you've actually what you're able to to process and do. So you, so you're not looking for more work. Uh, in fact, you're looking to rationalise, prioritise those activities. So so collaboration in a utility context makes a lot of sense there. And and I think the other obvious reason is that um, you know, back to the last question, the reason one of the reasons why cloud entities are successful is because they can they can expose scale like they can ultimately remove you know some of the cost elements so I think organizations uh, you know in terms of priorities have, have, have got budgets that are allocated uh, in a particular way they don't want to be spending money where it doesn't make sense to do it so I think that there's a number of incentives which drive more collaboration uh, although as I say I think collaboration has always been a strong a strong theme um, certainly in financial markets. What are the, what are the best examples? I, I think there's, there's, there's different examples in different contexts. Uh, you know, if, if I think about, uh, you know, the, the obvious one, I guess, to some degree in terms of new technology in terms of financial markets is, is around, you know, blockchain distributed ledger tech. And, and you know, you've got a number of, of collaborative uh, solution development Capabilities there. R three is probably the most obvious answer, uh, almost obvious example there. But certainly, you know, Hyperledger, uh, the Hyperledger project under the Linux Foundation is is another example where where that's you know that people sharing uh, in an open source context code um, ideas. Um, it, it's administered by a board made up of, of different entities and different participants. So, so, so that's, a, that's a good example, I think, of where you know, the industry has come together to try and explore you know, what's appropriate, what you can and can't do in that context. There's, there's other obvious you know, entities. The Plato Project would, would, would be another one, which is you know, another example. Um, and then, in fact, you know, Turquoise, which I mentioned before previously, was, a, was a, an industry collaboration as well. So I think I think I think they're all good examples of, you know, where the, in, in this instance, financial markets have seen value in in collaborating, because it enables, you know, it's, it's an enabler, not a competitive situation generally, um, and, and probably means you can do some things you may not have been able to afford, prioritize, resource, um, otherwise. Well, keeping with the the blockchain theme. Uh in general, there's been a lot of hype about blockchain. And which areas do you believe the technology can be applied to have the most value? Yes, there certainly has been a considerable amount of hype about 
uh, blockchain. And, and I don't think all of that hype has, has, has evaporated uh, as yet. Um, I, think, I think it is being rationalized. Um, and I think actually 2017 is, is uh, you know, people are taking a more sober view of blockchain. Um, and it's probably just worth characterizing that a little bit. In my, in my sense of, of blockchain or distributed ledger technology, which, which, which I guess in the context of this discussion, you know, is all embracing. You know, I, I think certainly there was a lot of excitement around the possibilities uh, that blockchain enables. And, 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 and I do think it does enable an awful lot of possibilities um, in, in, a, in a number of, of areas, in a number of industries, um, in a number of roles. But, you know, it, it kind of, um, because of the manner in which it, it, it was first instantiated, almost clearly instantiated, which is kind of the Bitcoin blockchain, then, it, then it, it bypassed some of the sort of, you know, the development stages, the rationalization, the sort of academic scrutiny. And it's, you know, it's built in the first instance in a, in a fairly niche environment. Not all of the elements that were developed for that environment are, are, are necessarily applicable in, a, in, a, in, in other contexts, and, and I'm thinking financial markets here. So the particular consensus um, mechanism used for Bitcoin, you know, I don't know that that makes sense in a financial markets context. Um, similarly, some of the, some of the elements that, it, that, you know, that financial markets context requires you know, it was not considered for that instance. So I think there's a there's a there's, there's been a sort of rationalisation and 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 a, and a thinking around what what is really required here. Where where does it where is it meaningful? Um, what do we need to do to um, to develop it? And that's and that's the sort of hyperledger project, the you know R three and 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 many other um, activities as well. So. Just in a, in a kind of timeline context, I have a strong sense that there is a smaller, but definitely a, a set of different projects, pilots, more than proof of concepts, um, that, that are being developed for the use of blockchain in anger, um, so in a production context, rather than a theoretical or... Um, or proof of concept context, albeit not necessarily at this point seeking to disrupt the technology foundations of markets. So, and, and, and by that I mean, you know, I, I can see certain entities who are developing a blockchain-based capability that will sit alongside of, or will, or will augment or extend their current systems. But in the event that it, that it's problematic. Um, or heaven forbid it fails, will not disrupt the core business there. So, so I think there's a, you know, and that to me is a maturing um, of the application of that technology. So where, where do I believe the, the, the technology can be applied to have the most value? I, I think there's actually quite a lot. I, you know, I'm still um, a pretty strong advocate for blockchain, and I think there's, there's a number of um, areas that it can be used. I think as a ledger, um, it, it, it's got um, numerous use cases, um, you know, just, uh, and that might also include things like identity, um, 
which probably pulls you towards you know something in the, in the sort of probably the KYC type space. Um, I, I definitely think, um, I mean, you can see some trade financing uh, examples where what it's managed to enable is, is a capability where, and this is a real fintech type thing, actually. So it's, it's using that technology um, and, you know, developing a capability for a space where it, where it actually didn't really make much sense. You know, it was, too, it was too costly, it was too hard, too difficult to do it otherwise. So it's, it's meant that people have been able to expose business um, in that sort of trade finance space that they, you know, the low end uh, SME piece that they perhaps couldn't before. I do think there, there's, a, there's a definite use case around in, in the sort of post-trade clearing and settlement piece uh, for lots of reasons, uh, not necessarily all the ones, and, and I don't necessarily mean the T0 type ones either. I just think certainty, clarity, um, not necessarily transparency, but, but um, because I think you, you, you need to have um, uh, to be able to expose records in an appropriate fashion. So, uh, um, so I do think there is um, and will be use cases around post-trade. <laughs> and, you know, interestingly enough, I, I'm also of the belief that, you know, that, that you know, Bitcoin is an example of a digital currency. Uh, I don't think it will be the example of a digital currency, but, but potentially in that digital currency um, or payments and digitization space, then I think blockchain's got a part to play there as well. Um, and, and that's really just in the financial services, financial markets spaces. So, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's lots of use cases. I mean, we've looked at it in a security context. Um, you know, how, do you, how do you secure um, you know, logs and things of that ilk? Um, there, there's lots of, I think there's lots of use cases. Not all of them make sense immediately. Um, and, I, and I think what's needed perhaps very immediately uh, is demonstrable instances where blockchain is being used in anger in, in order to, to, to develop the technology, to develop the processes um, and all the other attributes that are needed for it, for it to be meaningful. And, and ultimately, ultimately, this is, I think, a, an agent for quite a lot of structural change as well. But, you know, it's got a wee way to go before it gets there, I think. Well, my last question is on data management, which, again, is always causing a big stir. There are many more established solutions uh, for the challenges. Which ones do you think, again, have the most value? Yes, so data, data it seems like data has been a, like a constant through all, all of my life working with IT and particularly getting, getting good quality data and, and that whole sort of data standardization piece. You know, the, the I mean, data is, is I mean, data is probably in, in the in the context of fintech. You know, the 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 real food for for um, for, for for so many developments, and and, and I think it, it it holds the promise of of all sorts of things. So, I mean, it certainly holds the promise of more intelligence, more more insight. Um, and, and, it, and I think it does that on, in, you know, in so many ways. You know, the, the, the ability of, of technology now to collect, collate, to store, you know, over a long duration, data is phenomenal. And, 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 and just that 
that capacity allows you to generate generate insight. Um, certainly should enable you to be much more accurate about what you do. So, so personalization, um, uh, all of those types of attributes. So I, I, I think, you know, the data oriented or the database solutions are, are, are really quite exciting. And, and, you know, I look at, you know, some of the insights that, and that people can get, you augment it with, um, you know, this is back to the sort of unstructured data and satellite imagery and things like that. You, you you can know you can know far more about current state uh, currently or immediately than you ever could before as well. So there's there's, there's all that dimension to this uh, as well, and, and then you know two other dimensions to this which I think are really interesting, and and, and certainly in 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 what we do around you know financial uh, markets and and facilitating capabilities and solutions to, to market participants, then the sort of, you know, the machine learning piece towards AI um, um, is, is, is really quite, quite exciting, I think. And I think, you know, that, that's got, you know, such a lot of, you know, kind of runway uh, opportunity um, you know, because there's, there's, there's actually quite a lot that has to be done to really enable that um, across all of the possible jurisdictions, asset classes, etc., in which it can be enabled. So, so that that's that's going to be a pretty, you know, constant um, uh, exposure of, of, of opportunity. I think. Um, and then there's the, you know, once again, it's it's, it's really around insight and and you know the the application of you know behavioural algorithms and things to data to to anticipate. Um, and you know, I, I think that's a that's a very rich uh, vein to be to be mined as well. Um, you know, whether that be in, in a trading context, in a, in a um, you know, you know, even anticipating um, algorithms, markets, how they how they will evolve, um, forecasting, um, looking at and improving and optimizing behaviors. Um, on a on a on a personal basis, there, there's, a, there's a you know there's an enormous range uh, of, of of opportunity here, and I think that this is where you know if I look around London, you know there's there's hundreds of thousands of of companies who who are developing data oriented solutions, which really do you know move us forward, and and it, and it's you know it it's. <laughs> It, I think it's really impressive, and and and, and the other thing about it, um, I think, is that there's almost no end to it. No, no, definitely. It seems like we'll be talking about this, well, fintech in general, for a very long time. Well, thank you very much for your time and your insights. It's been much appreciated. Hey, thanks, Lynn. My pleasure. Thanks, Lynn, and thank you, Michael, for your insights. Thank you for listening to this DerivSource podcast. To read the transcript, please go to the show notes page on DerivSource.com. To hear other podcasts, please go to our podcast page on DerivSource.com, or you can download the free DerivSource app and listen to our industry interviews on the go. Thank you for listening, and join us next time.